Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, beloved ones. This is Bishop Dr. Lawrence Mwamba here in Dallas, Texas. With my wife, Tarina Mwamba, broadcasting live from Dallas uh, on the Word of Life Bible College Lecture in the Old Testament Survey. Uh, this is an online theological school with students in Zambia, in Malawi, Tanzania, in Uganda, South Africa, and the UK. We are expanding our horizon to reach as many students and those intending to study for the ministry as much as possible. Well, students, as I promised, we are going to go further into our study in the Old Testament survey. You know, uh, you haven't had a specific assignment so far whereby I've given you an assignment to grade you on the studies that you have done. But that is going to be done very shortly. So be anticipating um, uh, 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 an assignment whereby you're going to be also graded for it. But anyway, we're continuing our study in in the Old Testament survey. We've been looking at the book of Exodus. As you know, we concluded and said, you know, the book of Exodus was written by Moses. We had gone through reading of scripture uh, in uh, chapter number one, going to 18. We looked at Israel's deliverance from Egypt and journey to Sinai. Then we also saw that there, there is chapter 32 to 40 which talks of Israel's violation of the covenant and the restoration. And then we saw the building of the tabernacle also in the very chapter. I'll try and get into the Bible once again, and we're going to look through some scriptures. Let me grab my Bible here from my little uh, uh, bag. As you know, the book of Exodus, we found out the actual meaning is coming forth or coming out. Exodus is actually coming forth. That means the children of Israel, after 430 years of living in bondage in Egypt, finally they were coming out. And they were coming out with one man whom God had chosen to bring them out, whose name was Moses. Uh, Moses was a very gifted man in that uh, he, you know, uh, was well-educated in the Egyptian learning. He was a man who was a, a rightful man to take the people of God out 
of bondage. Now, before we go any further today, I'll continue our reading in the book of Exodus. I'll read from chapter number one, uh, chapter number three, reading from verse number one, and uh, then we'll look at the notes by uh, our dear brother Holman, the textbook that we are using. Now, if you are with Bible with you, turn with me to the book of Exodus and chapter number three. Now, we had come to a point as we were reading the narrative that uh, Moses had actually uh, gotten away from Egypt. He ran away because he had killed an Egyptian. Uh, We found out that as a decree had been passed by the Pharaoh, that every male-born child was to be killed. This was uh, a message that was given to the midwives. But the Bible tells us that the midwives did not obey the decree from Pharaoh, and instead they saved the male children of the Hebrews alive. So it happened that Moses was saved alive by his mother, and uh, for three months they kept him hidden in the house. Finally, they let him go in a basket. And his sister Miriam watched as the basket went down the Nile River. We found out last time that uh, uh, Pharaoh's daughter saw this basket and they saw the baby crying and uh, that's when uh, the, the the assistants to the Pharaoh's daughter, the maids who were with her, they, they brought the baby to her and the baby... The daughter of Pharaoh said, this is my baby, and called his name Moses, because it was drawn out of the water. That's what his name means, drawn out of the water. And so we found out that Moses grew up in the Egyptian learning, but then uh, Miriam was right there when these women were taking the baby to Pharaoh's daughter, and she suggested that they bring a maid to look after the baby. And Pharaoh's daughter said, okay, that's fine. So they ended up bringing Moses' own mother to look after him. And so as he was growing up, Moses was taught in the Hebrew learning by his mother that he was a Jew. And this is what gave him a history of the people of God. So even though Moses grew up in the palace, he had a basic teaching from his own mother concerning the Hebrew life. So we come to this point where now, after Moses had tried to defend the Hebrew uh, brethren uh, from the Egyptian who was uh, mistreating him and killed him, that he ran away. And when he ran away, he came to this land with a priest of Midian and ended up uh, under the shelter of this great man. We hear that this man had seven daughters and that uh, Moses ended up marrying one of them. Now, he started out to be with them and live with the Jethro, as he was known. And um, finally, the Lord 
were blessed as he lived there. Now we're going to look into chapter number three. I'll just read the narrative so you can follow what was happening with Moses. We read there in chapter number three, verse number one. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not turn, does not burn? Verse number four of Exodus chapter number three. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Where my Bible has a cross-reference of Deuteronomy 33 verse 16. Verse number five. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, I said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at or to look upon God. We see here that Moses had a very uh, 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 amazing life there with Jethro. He looked after the ship, tended the ship of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. We are told here that as one day as he went with his ship, he went by the mountain, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. Now it's believed in Scripture that that angel of the Lord was actually God Himself who appeared to Moses. And so a voice came from this flame, this burning bush, which was not consumed. It says, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes, off your feet, for where you stand is holy ground. Now, it's believed in theology, studies of theology, that wherever an angel, it says the angel of the Lord said, take off your shoes, for where you stand is holy ground. It's a figurative speech of God, because no angel can demand that you take off your feet, shoes off your feet, for where you stand is holy ground, because angels are just servants, see? But the only one who can say that is God, because God is the only one when he gets to a place, he makes it holy, you see what I'm saying? And those who stand before the Lord themselves are holy. Angels are holy because they are always exposed to the presence of the Lord every day, and so they are holy. And so, uh, this particular angel who spoke to Moses, telling him to take off his shoes off, your, off his feet because where he standeth was holy ground, was God himself. And so it's believed here that uh, God began to speak to Moses. He said to him, he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse number seven. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Verse eight. 
Now, in verse 7, there I have cross-references of uh, uh, Exodus 1, verse 11, and then Exodus 2, verse 23 to 25. Then I've also got the book of Psalm, Psalm 106, verse 44. Verse number 8. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I'll send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, this is what we call the call. It's similar to when God calls you as an individual. He gives you a specific assignment. Now, people say, well, I've been called by God. But what, what did God call you to? The callings of God are very different. He might call you into evangelism like Reinhard Bonke. You go from nation to nation to nation to nation preaching. He might call you as a missionary like me. Missionary simply means you start to minister in a land you were not born in. You know what I'm saying? You were not born in England, but God sends you to England. You are a missionary. You see what I'm saying? God sends you on a specific mission. You can be a missionary, say, from the United States. You go to Africa. You are not born in Africa. You are born in America. So you're a missionary to Africa. You see what I'm saying? When you go, say, for example, you are from Africa, then you go to New Zealand. You are a missionary in New Zealand. Being a missionary simply means you go to a land you are not naturally born in, okay? So here uh, we see that God is giving an assignment to Moses. Many people say, God has called me. God has called me. But when you ask them, what did God call you to? They don't know. You see? See, if you ask me, Bishop Mamba, what did God call you to? God called me to teach. To teach and train men and women for the ministry. When I was in Zambia, my main function and my main gifting was in establishing new works there, opening churches. I opened so many churches in Africa and pastoring a church. God gave me people. But here in the United States, it has more developed in a teaching ministry whereby we're still building our Bible school and believing God for, for building structures. And as God opens doors, like now I'm teaching you here on air, uh, eventually, this is an online school, but God, in his own divine wisdom, we're going to have buildings and we're going to have students who will be sitting in a class. And we have lecturers teaching them in a class, a physical class. Uh, I've not had that drive to fully get a seated congregation and have a seated church as I did in Africa. See what I'm saying? There's a big difference there. It's a, it's, a, it's a change of ministry in a sense. Now, uh, here, Moses is being given specific instructions. Go. I want you to go deliver my people, Israel. Now, you must always get those specifics. God will tell you exactly what he wants to do, and he will tell you where to go. And it's important to obey him, because if you go to a place where God has not sent you, the grace of God is not going to be there to sustain you. You see what I'm saying? Now, 
one thing we need to know is God knows everything. Even before God sends you, he knows what you're going to pass through, the tough times you're going to face. Now, when things start getting hard and tough, that doesn't mean God did not send you there. That's what I'm saying. See, like when Moses was sent by God to go back to Egypt and deliver his people, Israel, it wasn't easy with Pharaoh. Pharaoh didn't just let the people go one time and say, okay, guys, see you, bye-bye. No. It was after a plague. A plague means God performs a miracle to punish the people, the Egyptians, so that they can take, get, let the people of God go. It was, excuse me, it wasn't easy. It was tough. It was really tough. It took over, I think, 15 plagues or so for, for, for Pharaoh to finally let the people go. In fact, God even said it that I'm going to harden his heart, see? So even in ministry, when we begin and things start getting tough and hard for us, it's not the time to say, oh, maybe God did not call me. Just because things are not working for you at that instant does not mean that God did not call you. He called you, but you gotta stand your ground, my friend. You gotta, you gotta be in it. You gotta, you gotta dig your nails in it and believe God to bring forth the deliverance and change the situation. That's what I'm saying. And so, after so many plagues, finally, guess what? Moses had the people delivered. The three million people left Egypt for the Promised Land. Now, let's look furthermore at the commission as God is giving it to uh, Moses. Verse number 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Uh, my Baba has got a cross-reference of, uh, I think it's Exodus 4 verse 10 and Exodus 6 verse 12. Verse number 12 in Exodus number 3, chapter 3, that we are reading. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall save God on this mountain. Verse 13, then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and said to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they said to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he says that you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. My Bible has got a cross-reference in Psalm 30 verse 4 and Psalm 102 verse 12. Go gather, go, verse 16, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying, 
I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. Verse 17. And I have, I have said I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, what you need to realize here is this, that the God we save is a great God. You know, I've come over the years to, every time I pray, and sometimes when, when I'm speaking forth and introducing my God, Jehovah, I'll say the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. You see, it's just in my, in my psyche. <laughs> it's embedded in me. I, I just easily say it. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I said to him, you are the God of Abraham. You are the God of Isaac. You are the God of Jacob. And you are my God. Amazingly, God does not forget his servants. Can you imagine the covenant that he cut with Abraham? These are years have passed. It's almost 430 years. He's telling now, Moses, I am the God of Abraham. See, I'm the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. These patriarchs died thousands of years, hundreds of years ago. Like I'm saying now, at the time of the deliverance, when God is about to send Moses, it's almost 430 years. That means God does not forget you, friend. We who serve the Lord who do his bidding, who go into nations and reach out to nations to bring those who are lost into the kingdom of God. God does not forget us. We are, God even says, it's not only we ministers of the gospel that God has not forgotten, even you as a child of God. You know, God says, I've written your name in the palm of my hand. This gives me great encouragement in that, you know, God has not forgotten about us. If he can remember Abraham, he can remember uh, 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 Isaac, he can remember Jacob who became Israel. Don't you think he remembers you and me? He does. He says, go tell my people that I am has sent me. That word I am, that name I am, is complete in itself. In actual fact, theologically speaking, when you study the terminology or the name I am, it means the self-sufficient one, complete within itself. The El Shaddai, the God who is complete within himself, the I am. Nobody created God. God has been and will be and will ever be. He has been in the beginning, is the beginning, the Alpha and the Omega. <laughs> You know, alpha and omega simply means beginning. Omega means end. So which means within him there is no end and there is no beginning. He himself is the I am. I am. The Jehovah God of Israel is the I am. The all-sufficient God. The provider. Now, I'll see if we get some time to go through the names of Jehovah. As you know, he's known as Jehovah. Jireh, the Lord God our provider, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord God our banner, Jehovah Shama, the
the Lord God, our provider. I mean, Jehovah Shabbat, the God who is there at all times. The whole Jehovah Rapha, or Rapha, 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 some say Rapha, some say Rapha. The Lord God, our healer. See? Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord God, our righteousness. So all these names, they are called the compound names of Jehovah. He's everything. He's a com- God. Once you get God, you got everything. You got the completeness of life. So, and then what you must realize is that God hears prayer. The Bible said, "I've heard their cries, my people Israel, and I've come down to deliver them." See, when we cry to God, we think, "Oh man, God is not hearing me." I just cry and cry, and this God does not hear. Let me tell you what. God hears our prayer. <clears throat> Excuse me. When we cry to God, when we pray to him, when we seek his face, God does hear our prayer. You know, I've come to times when I say, why this monotony? You know what a monotony is? Monotony is a repetition of the same thing happening every day. You see what I'm saying? Monotony, when something becomes monotonous, which means a repetitive event. Something that if you expect, the next move will be A, B, C. If I say to you A, B, what's the next thing? It's C, then D, then E, then F. It will never change. If I go to G, you can't say R. That's wrong. <laughs> the sequence has been broken. So these are set rules whereby we say A, it's going to be B, it's going to be C, it's going to be D, it's going to be E, it's going to be F. Now, there's certain times in life when life becomes monotony. And monotony means the life becomes so repetitive, you don't see much change. It's like you're in a crunch. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, when those who do restrict, they say you are in a pinfall. When you are in a pinfall in restrict, that means you are locked. And uh, y- 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 your counterpart is y- almost winning. He's putting you in a pinfall. That means he's locked you in. He's getting points by the way he's locked you in to defeat you. You see? Now, we sometimes, as children of God, we get into what we call maybe a monotony of life. I can imagine the children of Israel being in Egypt for 430 years. They had a monotony, a repetition of uh, bad living, in a sense. They made bricks. They made mortar. They built cities in Egypt. It was a cycle. There were no times when their life would change and they would say, okay, today we're going to do astronomy. No. There were no times when sometimes it would change. Okay, today we're going to do some engineering analysis. No. There were no times when they said, today we're going to see how the Dow Jones is, is preparing on the, on, 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 on the uh, uh, stock market. No. It was monotony. Meaning they knew when they woke up, what they are going to do, what the first hour is going to bring in the day, second hour, third hour, fourth hour. Now, life sometimes can be like that. You can be in a cycle of monotony, you know, uh, your sequence. Oh, I wake up at 3 a.m. Oh, 
I gotta catch the bus. Oh, I gotta go to this place to work. Oh, I gotta spend eight hours. Work. Oh, I'm out of eight hours. Oh, I gotta catch the bus back up here. I gotta get home and I gotta get to shower, sleep. Then that monotony, you get it? It's a cycle. Now, sometimes you pray to God and say, Hey, God, I wanna break out of this monotony and I wanna something fresh, something new, something fresh. You understand? And so these children of Israel were crying for many years for something fresh, which never came. And so it is with us. Sometimes we'll be crying to God. We pray for a breakthrough, for something fresh. And it seems we are locked into this cocoon. And it looks like we are not going to come out. But let me tell you what. Our God is going to move. And we are going to come out. You understand? God has got limits. Everything has a limit. See what I'm saying? There is a limit to time. Time, that's why it's called time. It's got a limit. See, the day is 24 hours and that's it. It's the 21st of May. You go to the 22nd of May. You cannot say... After 24 hours, it will still be the 21st of May. No. After 24 hours, in the next day, it will be the 22nd of May. You understand? So every cycle has an end. (laughs) That's the most important thing. Life has seasons. See? There is a rainy season. There is winter. And there is summer. Here in America... We have spring, we have autumn, we have summer, we have the fall. You understand? You cannot put the fall into the winter. Uh uh-uh. uh. It won't work. That's breaking the cycle. So, even with our lives, when these cycles come upon us and you think it to never end, that's a lie of the devil. There is always an end to a cycle. So you might be in a cycle of lack and your finances are going bananas on you. And you are thinking, hey, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to live like this in, in mediocrity and in poverty. No. That cycle will be broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got to speak faith and say, Lord, I must come out of this thing. I'm coming out of this thing. See, the children of Israel were crying for many years to God to come out. It didn't happen immediately. 430 years were they in bondage until that day when God appeared to Moses, like we are reading right now. He said, I'm sending you to my people Israel for their cry has arisen and come to me. I've heard their cry. So every prayer you pray that in the morning, when you ask God's grace to abound upon you, when you ask for breakthroughs to come, it's happening. God is hearing your prayer. (laughs) That's one thing I like about God. He hears and answers prayer. Amen. The things that are impossible with men, that's what Jesus said, are possible with God. There are cycles we go through, There are financial situations we go through and we think we never come out. But let me tell you what, you will come out, just like the children of Israel came out. And so here, God is saying, tell them, 
and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he says, that, that you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial. So we see here that God performs miracles. God is a God of wonders. God is a God who is hearing and intervening in the life of the children of Israel. Now, here in verse 19 says, but I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I'll give these people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed, but you shall. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so shall, shall you plunder the Egyptians. Now, they had labored, as you know. They had gone uh, and lived into uh, uh, Egypt, lived in Egypt, and worked for years without being paid. Now, it's believed that when you look at this scripture theologically, they say, here now God was paying the children of Israel. Because he says, I'll give you favor on your neighbors. With the women, he said, they, they are going to ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. You shall plunder the Egyptians. You shall plunder the Egyptians. Now listen, the, the Egyptians were wearing gold. They had silver. They had beautiful linen, expensive silk. They had good clothes. And the children of Israel lived in Egypt for so many years, and they were in tatters. They had no gold on them. They had no silver on them. They had nothing, no beautiful linen on them. But God said, now the deliverance for you has come. Your neighbor, who is the Egyptian, will give you these things. You see? You plunder. See, when God gives you a favor and opens doors, People maybe will just start giving you furniture. Don't say, hey, second furniture, I don't want it, and you kick it out of the door. God has blessed you with furniture. Come on now. You see what I'm saying? These, God said, go, go ask your neighbors. Was this like a Jesse Penny? Or was this like a, a, a Messi's? No. These things were already on these people. They were, they were wearing this gold. They were wearing this silver. They, had, they were wearing these linen. But God said, go ask them for them. You see? So they went and asked and got the silver from the Egyptians. They gave it to them. In actual fact, God, in a way, was making a way for the children of Egypt, the Egyptians, to pay them 
for the 430 years of labor. So there will be times when God opens for you in a city. Just a company might be closing down and you get things cheap. You go to a place where there are so big markdowns. Say, no, me, I don't wear markdowns. Are you crazy? If they mark down something that it costs $70 and it's going for $2, you say you're not going to get it because you don't get markdowns? That it doesn't make sense. So there are certain things God needs to open your eyes to when he makes a provision. Do not despise what God is doing. You know what I'm saying? Don't say, wow, I'm not going to. But anyway, these people, they received these blessings because they had labored for them for so long. And they had been in total poverty and penury. But God was getting them paid for their labor. Now, then Moses, chapter number four, answered and said, but suppose they would not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Verse number two, so the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Now, Moses here, we see, he had all these claims. What if they don't believe me? What if they don't say God sent you? God said, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. God said, throw it down. He threw it down. It became a serpent. It became a snake. A walking stick became a snake. Then God said, pick it up. Pick it up by the tail. When he picked it up by the tail, guess what? It became a rod again. Now, many times, you know, when God has called us and we say, what if they don't believe me? Then God said, what is in your hand? Many times we don't know what is in our hand. We don't know what is in our hand. What does the what is in your hand mean? What is in your hand can be the gifts that God has given you, the talents that you have. See, the Bible said your talents will make room for you. Your gifts will bring you before kings. He didn't say your money will make room for you. God did not say your money will bring you before kings. He said your gifts, your talent. A gift and a talent is something that nobody can get away from you. Nobody can take away your talent. No. <laughs> you can do something that God has not called you to, to do. But you cannot lose your talent. You have to find where you click. You have to find where God has gifted you. You see, you can do many things. You know? You can be a jack of all trades, but master of none. But listen, the, the talent that God has given you is what is in your hand. That talent, nobody can take it away from you. If you are a musician, that's a talent that nobody can. Look at Paul McCartney of the Beatles. Look at Ringo Starr. These guys, when I was growing up in primary and high school, they were still singing. I became a musician, started singing the Beatles songs. They have never lost their talent. John Lennon, I think, died. 
But still, the other guys, look at Ringo Starr. They still got talent. You will never lose your talent. What's just going to happen is you not use your talent and it will sit there in your lap and rot because you don't want to use it. We have got to wake up. We got to dust our talents. I know my talent. I'm a teacher. I know my talent. I'm a preacher. Those are my, my core, full, grafted talents that I can never lose. See, I can be laying down, maybe half asleep, but I'm still going to teach. Why? Because I'm gifted by God to teach. See, I don't struggle to teach. I don't struggle to say, what am I going to say now? Uh, let me see. How am I going to start? No. It just flows by the Holy Ghost because that's the gifting that God gave me. You understand? So when God said to Moses, what is in your hand? God was saying, what did I give you? You are gifted by me to be my representative in Egypt. See, what is in your hand? You are a musician. What is in your hand? You have been gifted, an accountant, you're gifted in the business. You're gifted. Nobody will take that away from you. And so the children of Israel finally, I mean, Moses finally, he obeyed God, but it was with some pushing. See? Now, Homans here, he says, uh, uh, the purpose of the book, we looked at it last time. The first pass, the plight of Israel. We see here, Homans is saying, Exodus builds on the narrative of creation, humans in divine punishment and renewal, the call of Abraham to bless the world and the struggles of Isaac and then Jacob to carry out God's call. This struggle ends with Joseph taking his father's family into Egypt to avoid the harsh sufferings of famine. Exodus takes up the story of the children of Jacob in Egypt, now under a new pharaoh, and seen as, if, as feared foreigners instead of welcome deliverers from the famine israel thus became all right became uh slave laborers in egypt chapter number one now here homan is saying the whole family of israel came into egypt they were actually going to be deliverers but they were not seen like that they were seen as laborers or seen as foreigners who had come to take the land the jobs of the people of the Egyptians. And so when this other pharaoh came in, he had to eradicate them or get rid of them. But let me tell you something. God is with us and God is with you. Know your call. Know where you fit in the body of Christ. Uh, well, we're going to continue from here in our next teaching again in the book of Exodus. In the meantime, be blessed. This is Bishop Dr. Lawrence Mwamba here in Dallas, Texas, signing off and saying, we'll talk to you again. Write these notes, read, study, and we'll be back with you again. God bless you, and bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.